Good morning and welcome to the original Loretta Brown Show, radio to open the heart, heal the soul, and awaken the consciousness. And wow, um, what a morning, what a morning, what a week. And it's a full, big, full moon out there today. We'll talk about that in a minute. Whew. I um, was coming home, I think it was the night before last night, Benny, and the moon was already so big. And I know, it was right? bigger than normal, you know, like those super moon things. I'm still amazed on how it looks. Yeah. Every single time, from even when I was a child to now. Yep, yep. It's crazy. People have all kinds of stories and legends and made up amazing uh, facts. <laughs> feelings? <laughs> made up facts. That's feelings, feelings, feelings. Yeah, feelings, yeah. yeah. It's all in there. It affects us and... Uh, I think we've been a little bit wonky. I I certainly have. I was a little bit. Um, I haven't howled at the moon for a long time, Betty. But maybe it's coming. Could Boy, be. Could really? be. I know. Right. I know. Life is on the edge of change, right? We're always in the middle of it. So, uh, I hope everybody out there is just starting their day in the most wonderful way. Uh, remember that. I don't know if you just breathe into your heart and and bring a little gratitude in. Some you know that you could be okay. I have a client who tells me every morning he wakes up he jumps up sticks his feet on the ground and says i'm back no. right like watch out right <laughs> and I, I think it's a good way to be it's a great great way to start the day great way to start the day like watch out right i i think there's a chinese proverb something about when when sleeping women wake I don't know. Watch out. There's something. I, I, don't, I don't have it quite right. but <laughs> I dare try to look that up. <laughs> so wake up out there. We need you. Anyway, we are a listener-supported show, and always a big, big, great, big, huge thank you to my patrons. If you want to help support this show and keep us on the air, it is not free to be on the air. Please go to patreon.com slash the Loretta Brown Show. You can be far, part of the family behind the scenes. And... Honestly, you know, I don't give out a whole bunch of stuff, but I do give out love and hugs and angel messages and, and I don't know, maybe it's good enough. I hope so. <laughs> I always hope my heart makes your heart bigger. I do have a another Crystal Bowl healing concert coming up. I'm doing them once a month now. This one will be this coming Sunday at 7.30 in the evening at Bala Yoga in Kirkland. Bala Yoga in Kirkland. You get your tickets from Bala Lo Yoga and make sure that you are buying them for the correct location because Bala Yoga has three locations. And I, I think it was last month somebody contacted me and said she had accidentally got tickets to the wrong location. And, um, you know, don't do that. Come to the one in Kirkland, 7.30 p.m. this evening, or excuse me, Sunday evening, wear your yoga clothes Bring your crystals for cleaning, clearing, bring your heart, and bring your intentions of what you would like to let go of. This Crystal Bowl concert is specifically placed in the energies of this full moon, and you're going to want to take advantage of uh, the rather strange energies around today. Uh, they linger, you know, it's, it's really not just the day of the full moon, but... We often look at the three days before and the three days after, and of course right now we're in a very powerful uh, time of change between now and the end of the year. I also have the Temple of the Divine Feminine. My monthly class for women is coming up Saturday, August 24th. We are having a wonderful time in there. I'd love to have you join us. 
You can sign up at schedule.reikioasis.com. The class goes from 1230 to 430 on Saturday, August 24th. And we do healing circles. We do uh, meditations. Um, Sometimes we do some sound healing. And I always have a lesson. We're studying the Nine Eyes of Isis right now, the ancient mystery teachings of Egypt, which I have a particular affinity for. And speaking of Egypt, my Egypt trip has been moved from October to February 19th to March 4th of 2020. I only take 11 people, and I already have that. That's um, about uh, half full. The, the uh, trip is already about half full. If you want to listen to the wonderful radio interview I did with Hatem Ali, uh, he was here in the studio visiting us from Egypt last Thursday, and he is uh, my amazing... Uh, director of uh, the tour. He has a special affinity to Horus, and I don't know, I he's a lion-hearted man. He's, a, he's um, meant to do what he's doing. He's done tours for 27 years, and believe me, if you go on a tour with, with me and my gang, uh, you will have a life-changing uh, experience. You will not come back the same, and of course, that's the whole idea. Mind you, it's mm-hmm. not an actual gang gang. <laughs> no, it's not. It's it, a group. It's of a group. Like-minded individuals. Yes. <laughs> Thank you okay. for that clarification. Just making sure. Yeah, yeah. We don't gang up on we anybody. Don't want to <laughs> cause any mischief or mayhem over there. I want you to come back. <laughs> That's right. But we do eat a lot of good food, and we get a kind Which of which is perfect for yeah. a group to do. Not yeah. A gang. Sometimes there's a little bit of that dancing, you know, uh-huh. that kind of okay. hand clapping and laughing and crying and. You know, that kind of a thing. Yeah, we have a good time. We even swim in the Nile. Woo! I know, we float down the boat like Cleopatra or down the Nile in a boat like Cleopatra. So do come. If you're interested in the Egypt trip, send me an email. I'm, my name's Loretta Brown. Send it to ReikiOasis at gmail.com. And if you have trouble with the Gmail account, go to ReikiOasis at Outlook.com. And uh, you can always PM me through Facebook also. And I will get that information to you so that you can decide if you want to be a part of it. And in preparation for this trip, we're having kind of a meet and greet with Hatem Ali and myself and my assistant, Linda Kidby. And uh, this Egyptian get-together will be Sunday, August 25th from 1 to 3 p.m. in a private residence in Makaltio. If you want to come out Sunday, August 25th, 1 to 3 you get to meet us, and you get to eat a bunch of food. You will find out all about the trip. You can have your questions answered. Of course, you can sign up for the trip while you're there. You don't have to. That's that's not a requirement to come out and hang out with us. Uh, but do email me or PM me for that address. Um, <clears throat> as it's a private residence, I don't really want to give that address on the air. So once again, you can get me at ReikiOasis at gmail.com or PM me through Facebook. Uh, the Loretta Brown Show. And, wow, there's always something going on. I am taking a rather large, a huge trip. It's a personal uh, pilgrimage of my of my own. I'm going to be going to the top of the world, which is way over in China. And I'm going to be offering what's called transmissions from the top of the world. If you, you will find out more about that, the best thing to do is to get on my mailing list. Go to uh, ReikiOasis.com, get on my mailing list. You'll find out all about all of these events and more besides because we're always trying to offer something um, that will help lift us up in this time of change. And so, like I said, we've had quite the week. The sun is in Leo, which is its place of rulership. 
reminding us that every day is a gift and whatever level of health you possess is a treasure. That sun in Leo passing through the lion's gate last week has everybody asking themselves, what is really important? What am I just done with? With Jupiter and Sagittarius and moving direct again, we're being directed to a restoration of faith and an expansion of our vision of the future. And, you know, when we're looking at the restoration of faith, I think we're taking a look at, do I still have faith in anything? Have I lost my faith? Um, we're, We're a little bit unsure of ourselves these days with everything going on. We've also had Venus in an exact conjunction with the sun, which is inspiring us to increase our self-confidence and our good fortune. The sun in Leo is encouraging us to develop courage, creativity, and self-realization. And this endeavor climaxes today at the full moon in Aquarius, which is opposed to the sun. Now, I got to tell you, the full moon in Aquarius and the sun don't go well together. It's sort of like oil and water. Uh, The sun in Leo is like a warm-blooded heart of the world with a universe and love revolving around it, like you're sitting around a nice little warm campfire singing Kumbaya with each other. Um, I don't know if you guys still know that song. I used to sing it when I was in Campfire Girls, right? (laughs) A couple of years ago, like two, Betty, just two years ago. (laughs) Anyway, the moon in Aquarius is in the wilderness. It's a place of exile where the frayed edges of reality lie and where love glimmers like a far distant star. And I think we're howling, going, what happened? Where's my love? Where's the good things? So these two things, like I said, are kind of looking at each other in the sky, and you may be feeling out of place. You may have been very odd this week. Um, I I can almost hear some of you nodding your heads going, yeah, that was me. Yeah. You may be desiring something completely different. So even as the sun in Leo wants you to come out and be social, the moon in Aquarius is bringing about a desire for that artistic isolation, that sincere focus on bringing something from yourself out into humanity. So ultimately, this distance has arisen to push you towards a breakthrough artistically, spiritually, or philosophically, and this is a moment to release whatever stands in your way as a lover, an artist, a friend, or in simply being who you're meant to be on planet Earth at this time. The sun conjunct Venus and Leo is also a moment to feel beautiful and worthy of a genuine love. So anything that makes you feel dignified and respected glowing and creative will benefit you greatly at this time. Somebody said to me uh, the day before yesterday, they said, you know, Loretta, this might be the very best time to just stand with your face looking up toward God, the heavens, the light, whatever the divine universe mystery is for you, with your arms spread out and your palms up with your legs uncrossed, maybe you're standing, and you just simply say, I am now ready to receive the highest and best that the universe has to offer me. And then open yourself up energetically. Um, As much as I do energy work and as much as I do spiritual work, I do find that when I'm under times of stress, 
I'll make my system really, really tight. And when our system is tight, and I mean our energetic system, our jaw, our organs, our our intention, we're all tight because we're fighting or battling or we think, oh, my gosh, you know, uh, what's happening? Um, We're not in a state of reception. We cannot receive. And it's at those times when we need to open up. It's almost like uh, counter to what we want to do. But I'm encouraging you all to just kind of do that. Just open yourself up, ask for the highest and best, and then feel that opening and become much more receptive. So I can't think of a better way to bring in my guest today. I have on the show the unstoppable Frankie Picasso. I love just saying that. She's unstoppable. I think she is. She is an international socialpreneur, a talk show host, and a champion for change who has been transforming lives and influencing culture for the past 30 years at least. Professionally, she's a certified life, business, and master coach, trainer, author, artist, activist, philanthropist. Um, she, there's, there's words in her bio such as the Good Radio Network, kickboxing, dragon boats, drumming. She's written books. Um, she is a... a uh, Great author, and uh, today we're going to talk about her and her book, For Want of 40 Pounds. Thanks for coming to the show. Frankie, are you there? I am here, and thanks so much, (laughs) and what a great great introduction to your show. I just wanted to say that um, with your quote, when sleeping women wake, mountains move. That's it. It was so Uh interesting because I... When we were just starting the show and you said, I'm going to do something, I said, yeah, I'm going to pull a card. Well, did I not pull a mountain card? <gasps> it was because oh. I used the spirit. I used the mother, mother nature spirit cards. And the mountain is all about values and foundation and integrity and empowerment. And so that was just, I went, oh, my God, how fantastic is that? Okay, so um, <laughs> that's a personal message to me. Also, Frankie, because like I, I was telling people, I'm going to do transmissions from the top of the world. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go walk the Korah around Mount Kailash, which is Shiva's mountain. And uh, mountains is definitely, definitely the message. So what is there that quote go. again? When sleeping women wake? When, when, when sleeping women wake, mountains move. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out. Uh, I'm taking that with me on my, on my trek. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that with me, Frankie. Thank you yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I always believe that there's a reason people are on my show. And, you know, you and I have not met, but... There's mm. a kindredness of soul, which I can feel. Yes. And you feel like a sister, you know? You yeah. feel like, like I know you somewhere. It's in the my gut or something. So um, I, I just love you being on the show. You're, you're a very you. inspirational person, and I enjoyed so much reading your book, For Want of 40 Pounds. Um, just to kind of lay a little bit of groundwork, because I don't know if people out here know who you are, could you just sort of introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you and or maybe a lot about you, you know, because you're a great talker and I love that. Um, but what led you to read this or, or to write this book? Well, thank you. First of all, I'm going to say it's not 40 pounds of weight loss. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that. Because, <laughs> you know, everybody goes, what? Uh, it's actually 40 British pounds um, that was lacking. Um, this book has been like forever i think in in the in the waiting of the writing my dad will my dad's 94 
and he's going to turn 95 this coming March. And for a number of years, we've heard little bits and pieces of his story and, and you know, friends, family, other people have heard bits and pieces of his life story. And everybody, was, oh, my gosh, Bert, you should write a book. And and my dad never talked about the past. He talked a little bit, but he never really got into the past. He, he He's very future forward in thinking um, if something's happened, it happened and, you know, you just move on. Right. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really reminisce too much. So when I said, you know, what do you think about doing this book? And, and he wasn't ready for quite a while. And then at 90, 93, 92, he, he said, you know what, Frankie, we can do the book. I'm ready to do the book. And I go, great. So um, I asked Peter Jennings, my co-author. Um, I wanted Peter to be the co-author because I wanted somebody who a wasn't part of the family. So it could be a voice, um, who, you know, of reason, let's say, and, and wasn't emotionally involved. And he was a good writer. And, um, so I said, Peter, let's go to, let's go to Mexico. That's where my dad lives and we're going to stay there and we'll interview him and we'll see what comes up. And it was interesting because my dad has all of his faculties and he's, you know, he's married to a woman the same age as me. <laughs> so he has to have it. And like, he's, go you know, dad. Yeah. yeah. Dad has always uh-huh. loved beautiful women. And so this is his fourth marriage, I think. Um, not for, you know, lack of trouble. I mean, he stayed, he had longevity in his marriages. They were each like 30 some odd years, but, um, he's just 93, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. People, you know, things happen. So, um, (laughs) that, that's how the book got started. And that's how Peter came to be on board. And and he thought, you know, this is going to be a vanity project. I'm not really interested. He's, he's, you know, he is an author and he's, he's, um, and I said, no, just, you know, meet him and see what you think. And he like totally fell in love with Bert and that's my dad. And so, you know, the book came to be. And since I guess I was the only one of his, you know, 10 children who was a writer, (laughs) it fell to me to kind of do it. So there we go. Uh, And it was a labor of love because my dad is my rock. He is my everything. And whenever anybody asked me, how do you get to be unstoppable? How do you get to do what you do? And I go, it's because of my dad. My dad told me at a very young age, that it doesn't matter if you're a girl, you can do or be anything that you want to be. And he never lied to me. And so I said, yeah, I can do and be anything I want. And so I have step siblings and, and, and so forth. And they would say to me, how come you got to do that? How do you get to do this job? You're not qualified to go in my head. I am. <laughs> if I think I am, I can do it. And that's really the secret. Really. It's that belief in self. Cause I said, you're not going to lie. Like, if you can't do it, you can't do it. But if you really believe that you can, then you can. So, I mean, isn't that, you know, think you can, think you can't. Either way, you're right. So, I, I you know, I take the philosophy that, um, you know, do first and apologize later. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love what you're saying. Um, it's interesting. My father kind of told me the same thing. It's like, nice. you, you can do anything you want to do, right? And and he also told me, <laughs> you know, don't take this wrong, guys. He also said, you know, you never, you're not going to be sure if you could rely on a man to take care of you. And yes. he was very forward thinking in that way. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. my dad, too, before I got married, he said, listen, he goes, you have your own bank account. He goes, separate from a husband. So that if something happens, you can get out and you're okay. Mm-hmm. Like he was, you know, for a man, he, you know, he really was uh, a feminist, I guess in yeah, a way yeah. and and was really you know gave great advice um and yeah don't depend on a guy you can do it yourself and here we are so i think i think 
I wish that every woman and every little girl had a father like ours mm. that, that really, because I think when you have that strong foundation behind you, um, you, there, there's a belief that co- comes along with that and, and you know what a good man is mm-hmm. and, you know, as opposed to a bad one. And I think all my life I was searching for somebody like my dad. So, it, <laughs> it, you know, they're few and far between they are, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. but, um, but you know, hopefully today good women raise good men so yeah that's what i say absolutely um you know there's a lot of talk these days about the old way and the new way like yeah. like the old way being rather oppressive or or patriarchal right and yes. i uh and the new way being much more fluid or much more cooperative you know or much more i don't know maybe embracing of who we are you know, finding out who am I, why am I here on planet Earth, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm, Which is I, the question we all have. Yes, and, um, but I do believe that your dad, I, I'm just going to say this, maybe it's through his life events or maybe it's through his spirit, the, who he is, uh, very forward thinking. And mm-hmm. I think you kind of touched on it. You said something about, like, um, he doesn't look back, he just, uh, 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 he looks forward or he's present yes. or something like that. Yeah, he looks forward. He doesn't, He and, and so every time adversity hits, it's like, it's not like, oh, what was me? It's like, oh, okay, um, I can do this. I'm going to move forward because that's all, in his mind, that's all you can do. So when the la- when when um, Dorothy died, his, his, his previous wife, um, and she died of, you know, a horrible pancreatic cancer, and they took three years and they went around the world and, you know, he said goodbye in a, in a, in, in a really loving way. Um, when she died, he was ready to move on. And people were angry, like he's in his 80s, right? And people were kind of angry at him for, for, they thought, oh, you know, you don't have feelings, or you didn't love her enough or things like that. But he goes, she's been dying for three years. Like, I, mm. I grieved for three years. Mm. Like, am I supposed to continue to grieve? Like, it's over. Like the, the, the actual di- the event of dying was a relief for both of them. You know, really, I, I'm glad you brought that point out. I, I have quite a few clients who uh, there, there's been a lot of death. Like I, I always mm. think people go in batches, like the party bus comes yes, by and they yes. go, oh, I'll just jump on there. Might as well just go. But I have had uh, several clients share with me that, you know, their their mothers have died suddenly and all of a sudden, dad's in another uh, relationship, and dad's 70, mm-hmm. right, 75, yeah. whatever the deal it is. And um, they're struggling with that a little bit, and I, I'm with you. I, I tell them, I go, you know, first of all, everyone grieves in their own way. And mm-hmm. secondly, um, when somebody is dying and they've been sick a long time, you have quite a bit of time to adjust to that. Also, yeah. I, I'm just going to say this for whatever it's worth. Maybe I'm saying things that are outside the scope of my influence, but... You know, when somebody's in their 80s, no one knows how long we have to live. And uh, I myself have experienced in my family uh, people that were older who found, uh, quote unquote, the love of their life late yeah. in life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not to take away from um, all the relationships. Take, no, yeah, not away. at all. And I, and I yeah. said that, too. I said, you know, how long are you, are you supposed to? I think there's a difference when you're, you know, 20 or 30 and when you're 80. Like, is, are you supposed to wait two years or 10 years when you're 80 for your next yeah. relationship? Because other people think it's not proper that, you know, you haven't given the proper amount of time for grieving. So I think that, you know, uh, six months at 80 is, is like two years at 
at 30 years old. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. But yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean, live and let live and just allow people. It doesn't take away anything. A new relationship never takes away from an old relationship. It's they're different. Yeah. Very That's much it. They're so. just different. They're just right? different. Yeah. And I think yeah. that there's always a place in our heart for whatever that is that we've gone through, that we've loved, whoever that is, be it a uh, a, a person we were married to, person in a relationship, mm-hmm. and whether or not we've simply uh, grown apart, uh, divorced, separated, or they've died, um, no one can actually take that out of your heart. You know, you get to yeah, you get to have that in whatever way is meaningful to you. And I like this idea that uh, we don't want to be looking at the mistakes of the past or thinking of them as mistakes because. I am a firm believer that whatever it is that comes to us in our life, that is what we're to face. That's, that's yeah, it. that's I, the journey. I think so. You know, yeah. we, we're not off our path. We're, this is it. <laughs> this is it, kids. Sorry about that, right? Like, maybe you don't like it, but you, you made the mess. You got to clean your room up. So that's just how it is. Yeah. We're going to um, take a quick uh, station break. And when we get back, we're going to get more into Frankie Picasso's book and more into who she is and the name of her book for want of 40 pounds meaning uh, 40 British pounds not not weight it's not a weight loss book it's a book of of success and victory and we're going to talk more about that this is Loretta Brown we'll be right back energy is powerful it's all around us mysterious full of potential directing positive healing energy to raise your vibrational rate through Reiki can change your life Reiki master Loretta Brown has relieved stress, sadness, anger, and even helped clients lose weight, stop smoking, and end sleep disorders. Worldwide, people have sought out Reiki Oasis. If you want help with your dis-ease, visit ReikiOasis.com. Harness life's energy. Visit ReikiOasis.com today. Do you make a positive difference in the world? Do you have a talent, philosophy, base of knowledge, product or service that you know could help a lot of people if only you could reach them? Join Alternative Talk 1150's family of broadcasters and start walking down a fruitful path. As host of your very own program, dial 425-653-1150 and find out just how affordable it can be to have a show on 1150 AM. That's 425-653-1150. Alternative Talk, we have an opportunity waiting just for you. Right now, Doctors Without Borders medical teams are operating in some of the most remote and dangerous corners of the world. When front yards become front lines, when disaster erupts, when disease rages, when communities collapse under crisis, at the crossroads of conflict and epidemic, where there are no hospitals, that's where we operate. We go where conditions are the worst because that's where we're needed most. In nearly 70 countries, we're saving lives threatened by violence, disease, malnutrition, and catastrophic events. Donors are vital to our mission. Your response is critical to our response in places where a few others will go. That's where we operate. Learn more at doctorswithoutborders.org. Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to the original Loretta Brown Show. Uh, I am the owner of Reiki Oasis, located right here in the Seattle area for the last 24 years. You can find out more about me at reikioasis.com and uh, sign up for my newsletter. Come on out and and join us. Uh, We would love to have you be part of our community, part of our workshops, and part of everything that I do. 
Uh, my guest today is the unstoppable Frankie Picasso, social advocate, author, artist, radio host. And by the way, her radio show is called The Good Radio Network. I love that. And uh, we are talking about her book, For Want of 40 Pounds. Not a weight loss book, For Want of 40 Pounds. Can you tell us, now this book is about your your dad, Frankie. Yes. Can you just kind of give us, um, without giving away the whole story, what this book is about? Because this is very appealing, I think, right now. Well, let me finish the tag of that title for one of 40 pounds from persecution to perseverance. How far would you go for freedom? And so my dad was just turning just turned 13 in March 1935 when Hitler invaded Austria. The Anschluss happened and his family was Jewish and they lost their store. They lost their home, their apartment that was taken from them. Um, His father was in a camp. And his older brother, um, my dad had been kind of the one who beat everybody up for his older brother. So my, my, the money had dried up. The family was now living um, kind of in, in the ghetto. And my dad said to my, to my grandmother, I'm going to go to England and save us. Now, why England? He said it was the only place he knew on a map, pretty much. <laughs> but he said, you know, he's going to go to England and, and save them. And so he did. He took off. Now, um, now, with, now with how, how old was he? What he was 13 years old. 13 years he, old. Wow. So he took, he, he left home. He had no map, no money, no food, no, 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 G, no GPS, no, no GPS, no, no internet. No. Okay. And as he left Austria, got to Germany, um, he, he now had to travel at night because if he got picked up by the Nazis or whatever, then, you know, he would be put in, into a camp or, or put to death. So um, he walked. It was about four, almost 1,500 kilometers from, from Vienna to Amsterdam. And he, he did that walk. It was about a month and a half, I think. And the most embarrassing part for him was telling me that he stole food. He stole food from, oh. from, from trees or from markets, and he stole clothes from, from you know lines, drying lines and things like that. He said, but what could I do? I had nothing. And um, so that was really embarrassing for him to tell us that. Mm-hmm. part of the story but anyway mm-hmm. he he made his way to Amsterdam and um he heard German because he only spoke German at the time and and he heard a sailor speaking and he said um how can I get a, a boat to England and the sailor said well do you have money he goes no and he goes well come back at midnight and meet me so he did and and the sailor got him on boat got him into the hull of the boat and they stowed away um they're just crossing the English Channel until he got to England and then he came out, um, he was found and put into a camp similar to what they have today um, for these guys. And um, as all of the country was going to war, England was now going to be part of the war, that all the young men were, were leaving their posts. And so they were looking desperate for farm for farmhands. And they said, you can go to a farm or you can stay in jail. And so he says, no, I'll go to the farm and work. And so that's where he went. And he the 40 pounds came up because my grandmother wrote um, to him and she said, we need 40 pounds and we can, and we'd be allowed to leave. There was a small window where Hitler allowed um, these people to pay their way out. They could, they could um, pay the, pay their way out of the camp and leave the country. And he, you know, I guess he kind of preferred that people left. And so um, my grandmother had a relative in New York who said, you can come and stay here. And I, somehow they got a ticket on the Saturnia and my Dad gave that that letter to the Reverend Staunton, who owned 
Staunton on the Vale. Mm-hmm. And he said, can you give us, a, can you lend my, my mom the money? And he goes, well, how would you pay it back? And he goes, well, obviously I have to work here. And so the Reverend said, let me think about it. And he did send them the money. And my dad stayed on that farm for five years paying that off. Wow. Yeah. Seems like slave labor, yeah. doesn't it? You know, oh. $90. <laughs> I know, but wow, what a powerful, yeah. powerful story. Um, like I said, it's a very, it's a very moving story. I like the way that you've written it uh, in you. the in the book. But this idea of, uh, I think it touched my heart because, you know, there's a lot of talk right now, especially in our country about, you know, immigrants and, yes. and, and uh, the children and people that are being forced to abandon their homes and families and their countries and trying to find a better life. Yes. And one of the things that comes through in your book is this very strong, number one, work ethic, right? Like we're going to, we're going to work, yeah. we're going to do it. We're not just taking a handout. We, we can help each other, which I, I firmly believe in, to be able to help each other. Absolutely. Um, but this entrepreneurial spirit of his, this indomitable, he's unstoppable. Don't you think that <laughs> so many of these immigrants are, though? I mean, yes. when I think of their, their long tracks to get to what they think of as, as you know, a place of safety, mm-hmm. that that they also have that, that spirit and are going to work hard because they're just so grateful for landing somewhere where they don't have to worry about getting killed every second. Yeah. And the dedication for this book that my dad wrote is to those immigrants. And, you know, my children are first generation Canadian. Mm-hmm. Um, I, mm-hmm. you know, so many of my friends and that I know, nobody is first generation, you know, they, they, we all came from somewhere else. So I think that this idea that immigrants are, are bad for the country, I think it's a horrible thought. I yes. think that they're good yeah. for the country. Yeah. And, and my heart went out to those children the other day who came home and their parents were missing. Yes. Because, you know, but anyway, um, so I just wanted to say that, you know, this dedication I thought was beautiful that he wrote, um, you know, it's dedicated to the, all the unfortunate children of the world who are forced to abandon their homes and families due to war, famine, corrupt government or other circumstances. And that's how it starts off. And um, I thought, wow, you know, bless you for thinking of these people and and for remembering your roots and remembering what it felt like to not speak a language Mm-hmm. You know, he got kicked around. He said, you know, they asked him for a shovel and he brought a rake or whatever. He goes, I didn't know. You know, I didn't know the language. And he'd get kicked and, you know, you're stupid or whatever um, until he learned it. Mm-hmm. And and so I think it's, um, you know, it's not an easy thing to be an immigrant. But, you know, I think he did show the spirit. And, and I hope that, you know, I take a little, little bit of that from him. I think we're both pretty independent people that walk in this world. And I don't think there's a whole lot that really scares me as far as um, not being able to do, you know, if I need to do it, I'll, I'll, it'll come. And having had a very serious motorcycle accident myself, I know that we are so capable of so much more than we ever believe ourselves possible. And when we're faced with that wall, we either break through it or we don't. And I think more of us will break through than, than less. Um, I, I like the fact you, you brought that up. I was um, in, um, you know, in your book, you talk about the year 2003 being a pivotal year for both you and your dad. And mm-hmm. you've kind of alluded to it, but I, I'd kind of like you to gather it together and comment on that. Um, yeah. Well, I had I, I had that motorcycle accident and I broke um, both femurs, hip, pelvis, just about everything below my waist. And 
I went, I was in the hospital for six months. I lost my job. I went through divorce. Um, I was in a band at the time, a drummer in a, in a rock band. Uh, the guys came and picked up their drums or picked up their stuff, left my, you know, left my stuff. Um, I was on the Canadian master dragon boat team. We're about to go to Shanghai. That was, um, eight days before my accident. So I didn't get to go do that. And, um, and then I got home and three days later, my dog died. And then a week later, the rod in my leg broke. So it was just loss after loss, after loss, after loss. And, you know, you think, how do you sustain? And so I did say that I had thought suicidal thoughts and they weren't like, oh my God, I want to die. It was more, how, how can I look after my kids? Maybe if I die, there'll be money for them or, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of thought. And the same with, with my dad, he also had a suicidal thoughts that year. And so, um, you'll have to read the book to to find out about his, but, um, you know, here we are both thinking, how can we support the people we love the best? And maybe it's by dying. Yeah. 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 But we changed our senses. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of understand that. Yeah. You, you, and I understand you got divorced during that time. Like you really went through, um, I call it the stripping. I know that sounds odd, but I, I know that in our path, we quite often, everything is kind of taken from us or lots of things happen. And I don't Mm -hmm. really know why that is. I'm not going to, I don't think we can make a Pollyanna statement of like, oh, well, you know, I went through this horrible thing and now I'm this amazing person. Right. No, no. But I think, I think what happens is you, you come to understand that nothing, we tend to describe ourselves by what we do and that isn't who we are. And so when everything is stripped away and you have to look at your soul and you have to look at yourself and go, who am I? Well, I'm not the drummer. I'm not the dragon boater. I'm not the person who had an amazing job. I'm not the wife. I'm, you know, the, I, the only thing that stayed was I was a mother. That was the only thing, right? <laughs> so, you know, is that all I am? No. I mean, we're, and, and okay, so we're here. Was I here to have that accident? Was I here to go to work? Am I here to go? I don't believe we're here just to work nine to five. So, you know, there's a greater purpose and a greater understanding for that. And, you know, every, every couple of years I learn a little something. But, um, but that I know that we're not the car we drive or mm-hmm. the house we live in or the money that's in our bank account. Yeah. It's, it goes a lot deeper than that. You have, uh, during this time frame, um, you know, of your, uh, healing, which probably never ends. You have a yeah. little, little story about a bracelet from the Dalai Lama. Can you share that? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was in, I was in the hospital. I was in rehab. I'd moved from, from trauma to rehab hospital and I was like, prolifically reading all kinds of spiritual books. And one of the nurses came in and, and she said, you know, um, have you read Yogananda? And I said, I said, uh, no, I haven't read it, but that was her spiritual guru. Um, she says, but I'm going to see the Dalai Lama tonight and I'm, I'm just going to, um, you know, see what happens. I go, great. So the next night she comes in and she goes, Frankie, she says, here's a bracelet. She goes, the Dalai Lama gave it to, to me for you. I said, what? <laughs> okay. And so the next the next week, do I not see in the hospital, in this rehab hospital, like three orange robes walking down these Seriously. different Buddhist monks. Yeah. Who had, you know, orthopedic problems or whatever. Uh, but they were in the hospital. And I, and I remember going up to one and saying, can I ask you something? You know, but whenever I prayed on this bracelet, it was just like, you know, Good things happened. So it was very special. Very, very blessed piece of jewelry. Very blessed. Yeah. yeah. Do you still have this bracelet? I do. Yeah. 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 I think I would too. I'd be like looking at it every now and then. I, I believe in this kind of stuff. And I also believe yeah. in synchronicity and serendipity. And, and uh, 
I don't know. Some people call it magic. I call it sacredness, right? Or the way that oh. things really are, the connectedness of all things. So um, I just love that story. I think I think it's really, really great. It blew me away, I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I bet so. And you've come such a long way since that accident. And I understand, too, that like I was telling you during the break, you know, you have so many things that you do. Like you're also an artist and you're an advocate for the animals and and um, uh, things like that. But uh, talk to talk to the uh, listing audience just a little bit about what you do, because you're kind of a, um, a proponent of change. I, I don't quite know what you call yourself there, but mm-hmm. um, a champion for change, a champion for change. Yeah. And, how, and, I, and I, how do you believe you're changing the world or what are you doing to help contribute to that? Well, the Good Radio Network was started as a means of a way for talk radio to do good in the world. So not just talking about doing good things, but doing good things. So um, one of the ways was actually, you know, to to find, um, okay, here was my spiritual download. I, w- I had done radio for a long time and I said, okay, I'm kind of tired of promoting other people at the moment. What can I do? What, what should I do? And I kept meditating and meditating. And finally, God said, go find one person who is changing the world and talk about them. I go, okay, I can do that. So I, I, I went out and I said, because people said, what can I do? I'm only one person. What can I do? I can't change the world. Okay, I'm going to go find these people. So I started, I started, you know, the Good Radio Network. I'm going to go out and find people who are changing the world. One person, whether they're one person or an organization, it didn't really matter. So I started that with the premise of talk radio will do good in the world. Um, giving money to organizations, having nonprofits on who needed exposure, talking about the people so that others can see that they can also replicate and do the things that good people do in the world to change it. Because change doesn't have to be a massive, you know, bomb explosion. Change can be small little things that mm. change other people's worlds. And and whether and that can be as little as a smile, it can be as big as giving millions of dollars and doing boreholes for water and changing, you know, uh, how people giving micro loans to women or in, in, you know, third world countries or whatever. There's all ways to change the world. And so, I mean, I belong to a group, um, environmental group, whether it's, you know, my animals, the rescuing the animals and, and changing how people think about them. Uh, I support children. I, my, my art, um, through, through my paintings, I, um, give money for cleft palate surgery for, for kids and for women for, uh, VVF, which is, um, vesicovaginal fistulas to get mm. surgery for those. Mm-hmm. So there's just so many different ways that we can, change people's lives and change, you know, the world in in that way. So a champion for change, people are afraid to change. And so my first book, Midlife Mojo, was really about how to change. And it it was a prescription for change because, you know, I said, make a choice, you know, send me, send me a color, pink or blue or green or whatever. I can't remember what it was. I'll, I'll paint my wall that color. Oh, I don't know. Which color do you like? doesn't matter. Pick something because I can change it. You know, that's the whole idea yes. is that we can change the change that we make. So instead of being afraid of making a change in a choice, just do it. And then, you know, you can change that. You're not married to it, you know, oh, or if you are married to it, you know, like, <laughs> if you're all married, <laughs> you can still you, change you, it. You can still change it. Yeah. I, think I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it, it's, we get paralyzed. Yes, we you do. Know, by, mm-hmm. by choices and, and change. And, and so 
when people talked about that midlife crisis and the guy who got that bull in the china shop guy you know divorces the wife gets a 20 year old buys a stingray or you know whatever um that's that that's the the almost the cartoon piece of that where other people have smaller changes but we have we make change we change we're people we're human beings our lives change our thoughts change and if we evolve hopefully you know we have to change so people were just afraid of changing i hate my job i hate my job i hate my job well change it oh i can't mm-hmm. why not mm-hmm. i need money well mm-hmm. do something else for money and that was that was a lesson that my dad gave me and he it, you know illustrated throughout his this book for one of 40 pounds many times was that when his world when his financial world crashed in a, in you know um it was a land deal that just wiped him out and he had to start over he at you know in his 70s um and he he created a national an international company and and just from nothing pretty much and retired again in his 80s <laughs> it was like you know any if you can do it then you can do it anytime. Mm -hmm. And so I'm never afraid. Money has never been an influence. Even in, even when you're thinking about leaving somebody, you know, I have another book, no bull allowed. Um, women who are afraid or men, whoever's afraid to leave a marriage because of money, I go, forget about money. Money will always come back to you. Money should never even enter that equation. If you are unhappy, you know, be, find out how you can be happy and make your move and then everything else will fall into place. And I firmly believe that. I like everything you're saying. Um, I do run into this a lot where, uh, like you say, we become paralyzed with the fear. We, we don't like it. In fact, we hate it, whatever it is, right? My, my job, my relationship, where I live, my house, you know, my body, whatever. Pick something, my nose, yep. right? But yep. uh, all we do is talk about how we don't like it. And, and yeah, and, and we also talk about what it is that's standing in our way or what we think is standing there, why we can't change it. Right. Yeah. And and the, I allow, as a coach, I allow what I call the BMW for like two minutes. So that's the bitch, moan, and whine. <laughs> and, then, and then you got to get through it. Like how can we, how can we, you know, crawl through it, crawl over it, under it, blast it, whatever, whatever is stopping you from being happy. Because I don't believe and I can't. Right. I don't believe that for one second. So, you know, somebody said, if you if you don't want to change, don't call Frankie as your coach. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Because you're only going to be able to drive that BMW so far. Exactly. Uh, They're like, okay, slap you upside the head. Yep. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I get, you know, I, I can't get frustrated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I you know I, I started the the believer and I'm a believer and I think that rent a believer is, is one of my sites because mm-hmm. I thought you know what would, what could you do if, if somebody had complete faith in you mm-hmm. and since most people don't have complete faith in themselves as a coach that's kind of what we do we hold the faith for them until they can hold it for themselves until they believe in themselves again and so I have this rent a believer because I thought okay you can rent me for a little bit I'll believe in you and I'll have faith in you and I'll show you how to you know get that for yourself until you believe that. And then you don't need me anymore. So uh, we say adios. Rent a believer. I love that. Uh, you know, people often ask me like, Loretta, what did you do? You know, how did you start your business? And I always kind of chuckle. I was laughing while I was listening to you. It never occurred to me that I couldn't do this. It was never a thought. Yeah. It was like, oh, no, I just, 
you know, sometimes I say I'm too stupid. I didn't know what I didn't know, right? I, and I didn't, but it is an c- absolute belief. It's just like, it oh, is no, a belief. I'm just going to do this thing. And, yeah. um, oh, now I'm going to do that thing, right? And yeah, and now you're going to go on top of the world. Now I'm going to so, go on top of the go. world. Yeah, I'm going to shake up some mountains, right? And somebody <laughs> said, but it might be cold, Loretta, or, or uh-huh. how are you going to walk that far? Or, you know, what, how, how are you going to get the money for that? Or whatever the case yep. is, you're just going to do it. What, you don't care. No, it, it'll, you're going to do it. It'll it's happen. Gonna happen. It's just like, exactly. we're just going to do this thing now. I did this thing. That's what, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's, that's my new way of talking that's about it. That's how we roll our lives. Yeah, I'll just do our thing. Well, and just going to do this thing, you know? That's, yeah, that's what I'm I love it. Now. That's exactly what it is. And people go, oh, you guys are too simple. But it's not, it, it, that's the simplicity of it. Mm-hmm. You're just going to do it. And, and you know, I, and that's what being unstoppable is all about. Mm-hmm. It's just, you're going to do it. No matter what. I also like this point that you brought out that that change doesn't have to be like a huge bomb or that the good mm-hmm. that we do on, on the planet does not have to be, you know, like I've got to come up with $10 million and, and you know, uh, you know, mm-hmm. rebuild an island or something. It right. can be whatever is within range, right? Yeah. Yeah. I can yeah. start with a small thing. Yeah. Like even if you bought ugly fruit. <laughs> I, mean, I did a show on ugly on the ugly fruit i mean think about it the 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 food that is thrown away and not given to other people because it's ugly oh i'm doing that today yeah when people can, Frankie, can i'm doing eat, it i'm gonna, you gonna buy ugly fruit i'm gonna buy the ugliest fruit i can you know i i'm laughing because you know i'm i'm ridiculous i think everything's alive and has consciousness and yeah and probably project a lot onto it but i was actually out looking at fruit the other day going oh these poor pieces that no one wants <laughs> <laughs> i'll eat you right you know <laughs> i actually bought a package that said the ugly zucchini or something you know i'm like okay perfect i bought you there you go oh, didn't look so, so bad to me that's but great. yeah i mean that's the thing that's wasted food that they won't put in a, in a supermarket that uh, that people who are needy and hungry don't get mm-hmm. because it's ugly yeah it's, it's blemished it's not bad no, it just no, it's, grew funky, yeah, it's you know, sort of like and, us, right? You yeah, know, <laughs> yeah, grew funky, and and you can, you know, people be happy to eat it; their bellies will be full. But no, they'd rather throw out this food and not give it to people. Yeah, which makes me just so sad. So, you know, if somebody wanted to help in that movement, and there is a movement, the ugly food movement out there, um, okay. you you know, you could be a proponent of something like that and, and say, hey, don't throw that food out. Let me give it to the homeless. Let me give it to a, sh- a women's shelter. Let me give it to whoever and make some really great food out of it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. For those of you just tuning in, this is Loretta Brown. My guest today is Frankie Picasso. We're talking about her latest book, For Want of 40 Pounds from Persecution to what, Frankie? What's the rest of Perseverance. the Perseverance. Perseverance. How far would you go for That's freedom? Right. And ugly fruit's not in the book, guys. No, that's <laughs> not. This we book, though, is inspirational. It's about her father and his his journey from uh, when he left over in Nazi Germany when he was 13 and gone yep. through to his life. He's in his 90s now, 93, some 94, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what does your dad think is your greatest asset or your greatest gift or skill? Well, he told me once it was negotiation. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, I negotiated something pretty fantastic once. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I think my dad is, is proud of me. Um, my my siblings, many of them are um, doctors, lawyers, architects, like, you know, mm. professionals. Mm-hmm. And, and 
I just keep switching gears all the time and going, you know, <laughs> what, who am I? I'm all these things and, and none of those. Um, but I still have value in the world. And so that's okay. I think, you know, that makes him proud. It makes him proud I wrote a book about him. <laughs> well, and, you know, you and I were talking during the break. I really mean this. This book should be a movie. It's it's total movie material. Uh, it's well written. For those of you taking a look at it, you might as well just get on Amazon and buy it now. Get it over with. And um, Thank you. Yeah, I really mean that. But it's it's um, it really touched my heart. And I, I just want to reiterate, this is not, this book is not a vanity project on, on the part of Frankie Picasso. It's well, I, I think I'll let you answer that. Frankie, what do you hope people get from this book? I think I think they can get a lot of hope out of it. Um, if you are, you know, in business and entrepreneurial at all, you, you will find that entrepreneurial spirit. If you uh, are spiritual at all, I think you, you'll even find that in, in this book. It, it is, you know, there, there is a, I'll say, yeah, there's a legacy component for my own family, but for other families and other people who um, have families and, and, and parents, and you can look at this and you can see a trajectory of, of hope and success and love and um, maybe a, a daughter's love for her father. And mm -hmm. just, mm -hmm. I'm not the only one who just loves this man. He's just so lovable. And um, everybody, you know, strangers, everybody just, adores him and and what is that about him his spirit i mean he's now i don't think he's ever said an unkind word to anybody mm. and you know whether he had millions of dollars in his pocket or nothing in his pocket he treated everybody exactly the same i've never seen him look down on anybody or go oh you know they don't have money he'll talk to you the same way he's gonna talk to the other guy like yeah that is him i, I love that like i just wish he could just be the the icon for how to be a human being yeah <laughs> yeah i'm also thinking that you know a lot of people are doing this uh genealogy ancestry mm -hmm. thing and i think there's something to be said about taking a look at our history the history of our parents and our grandparents and and maybe our grand great grandparents like where did we come from and is mm -hmm. any of that been like that indomitable unstoppable spirit that you have is any of that pa passed on do you yeah. carry something that can actually support you and I know a lot of my clients come to me and they've been hardworking. They've come from really crazy backgrounds. And then they wonder what has happened to their kids. Like, what's going on, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I highly recommend the book for everybody. Um, for Want of 40 Pounds, uh, written by Frankie Picasso. And we have like 30 seconds left, Frankie. Do, what w words of wisdom would you like to leave the radio audience with? Keep listening to Loretta Brown, man. She rocks. <laughs> You're awesome. Thank you so much. Where can they find you? They can find me um, at unstoppablefrankiepicasso.com or thegoodradionetwork.com, either of those two places. Sounds great. All right, everybody, go out there and uh, dance under the moon, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.